Welcome to the Learning Every Day in Every Way Through Play podcast series. My name is Jackie Ward and I'm the Early Learning Coordinator at the Department of Education and I'm here with my colleague Donna. Hi everybody. Donna uh, Deanne is the Transition Advisor at the Department of Education and we're going to be talking in this episode um, about letting your child take the lead. So really this episode is all about the way we view young children. Um, It's about seeing them as capable, competent thinkers and learners. It's about the fact that, you know, acknowledging that young children actually think differently to adults. Uh, They're concrete thinkers, which means they learn through doing. And they're also capable of holding many ideas in the front part of their brain, which as we get older, we can no longer do. So it's about, I guess, uh, keeping that in mind when you are supporting your children um, in learning at home and knowing that that they're thinking differently to you um, and giving them opportunities, I guess, to be their natural selves, I guess, in their learning. And um, also, I guess that's also acknowledging that they can keep those um, ideas, as I said, in the front of their minds, which means that they can think really creative and connect ideas. Yeah, Jackie, and there's a lot of information out there about the importance of playing and interacting with children. But, you know, when families have competing priorities and they're trying to juggle just life in general, it's important to understand that the learning's happening um, with their children, even when they're engaged in their own play without the adult or the family member. Yeah, it's good to understand how you can actually encourage this. Yeah, and I think that's really the point of this um, whole series too. It's about making learning visible so um, families can see that, you know, even though they might be busy um, doing a whole lot of different things themselves, they can see that that learning is happening um, for that child and maybe it's an occasional comment or a bit of encouragement that supports that learning. Uh, So we're going to really sort of unpack that, you know, how are children learning when they're just playing on their own? And again, it's about acknowledging that they're not just um, less clever versions um, of adults, but really about people who think and learn in a different way. So what what does that mean for, for you as a parent in supporting that learning at home and, you know, allowing children to take the lead, also being able to um, let them sort of direct the type and depth of learning that happens in their play. I think sometimes as adults, we often think that we need to take charge and we need to sort of um, order and and sequence things in ways that take all of those um, opportunities for that sort of in-depth self-directed learning away from children. So this podcast is really about that, you know, letting children um, explore and experience a wide range of different things and, you know, taking that more of an observer role, I guess, in in seeing what learning is happening and, and what children are interested in and following that up with them um, in different ways. Yeah, I mean, you know, when, when children are playing on their own, um, it opens up a, a huge sort of um, range of opportunities because they become really engrossed and, and quite deep in their play when they're on their own. They've got to rely on them on their own sort of um, engagement and input. They get, you know, they get to make errors and they can drop things, change things, fix and adjust things. Um, they can move their equipment or their toys exactly where they need them to be. Look, on I guess a great example of this would be when a child's, say, got something like a toy truck in the mud and there's there's no one there to guide what happens with that, just the child. So if, it, if the truck slips or the car or whatever they're with, they've got to fix it themselves. If it tips over, they've got to create, you know, a bit that might hold it up. Um, and it's the same in something like artwork. We're mixing colours. 
Um, and these are things that can just be happening at home all the time. Like, who's to say that the hill should be green and the sky's blue? With, with, with the child playing there on their own, there's, there's no limit to their imagination or the colours that could be discovered. Yeah, and I, I love that example where you talk about the, the truck um, example there, Donna, because I think this is a really good example where I like to unpack. That's actually a child learning a little bit about, you know, engineering and technology and physics, you know, where you go, well, why did it slip and what do I need to do to make changes? You know, and children will often automatically build up a ramp realising that that's not um, stable enough foundation or they need to change the angle of uh, elevation, you know. So there's all sorts of learning that's happening when they're engaging in play on their own and of course that wraps back to things like when you when you learn at formal schooling you know you learn about angles and trigonometry and all those sorts of things so there's lots of things that's happening uh, in that learning for children and you know when we allow them to explore and investigate their ideas and things they're interested in they tend to be much more engaged in the learning as you pointed out um, I know for me if someone wants me to do something that I'm not keen on um, as opposed to you know can I put my name down for a project that I'm really interested in? Um, my level of engagement is quite different. Um, and I think that's the same for children. So instead of the, you know, the learning being a chore, it's interest-based and it's experiential and children are really immersed in that. And it's a key factor, I think, in having a strong start to school and, and children being confident and, and leading their own learning. So they know themselves as a learner and they know themselves as, as being able to have influence in their world, I guess. Yeah, yeah, and I guess just again, just on that um, truck um, example, which which is a good one because I think um, families can sort of picture that happening at any point at home. Um, it, it also it's allowing for those um, the mastering of those skills that you're talking about, Jackie, which is what they do through experimenting. You know, if there was an adult there, the adult might fix that issue for them, or or sort of say, you know, I can put if I help you push this bit of mud up here, it'll make a you know, your truck won't slip or whatever. But without that adult intervention, the, the child's sort of only limited by themselves. So they, they can take their own learning. They can take a lead and their experiences in any direction they wish. So I guess, you know, you can look at it as accidental learning, um, even though from a psychological point of view, of course, it's it's quite different delving into that. But um, but the accident, accidental learning that's going on is just amazing you know, learning about the different uh, textures, um, why one is more slippery than the other. If with the adult, they're leading that. Um, the child certainly doesn't get that deeper level of um, of taking on board. You know, how much dirt do I need, or why does it change when I add dry dirt? Or they, they, it comes right back to their own hands-on experience. Yeah, yeah, I agree there. Um, I would probably call it incidental learning, and I think that incidental learning is is some of the most complex learning that um, that children are going to get. And again, it's when that's that child led learning through play. Um, there's some of the things that we associate with that future focused learning and those 21st century skills. We want children to be, you know, critical thinkers. We want them to be able to problem solve. We want them to be engaging with science, technology, engineering and maths. And these are some examples of what you're doing there. You know, when you talked about those states of matter with the dirt, that's chemistry in action there, you know. Um, and again, as children naturally experiment, investigate and research how and why things work, a classic example is when children ask, 
why and they ask it over and over and over and they do things and they repeat actions that's them you know as you said mastering skills and investigating and you know they ask why again and again and again when you give an answer and they're trying to process and fit those pieces together of what they've learned before Um, it may be annoying as a parent at the time to you know keep answering that why question but again it's such um it's such worthwhile and meaningful learning that's happening incidentally all throughout the day. Yeah, the, and, you know, we need to, it's that continual why, why, why. Um, children are sort of solidifying those skills as they, they learn and they lead their learning through play, um, and they need those chances. They need to to um, continually ask why or how um, so that they can um, bank, for want of a better word, they can bank on their skills they learned the prior day or before, um, look, I always think about the um, the good example of a child packing their bag. When you're talking about early numeracy skills or the, you know, when things don't fit into your bag in the morning, we, we can do it the same as adults. We want to shove it in and and, um, and the family morning rush is always that we want to fix things for, for kids and not giving them a, a chance sort of to do those everyday activities. And look, I've had a laugh at some of the memes that are on social media today about adults stuffing their luggage with determination into overhead lockers on planes and all that sort of stuff, and we have a good giggle about it. But um, if you go right back to the beginning of learning these sorts of skills, um, a child that problem solves at how to pack their lunchbox and their drink bottle and all that into their preschool backpack, um, I mean, there's immense problem-solving skills going on there. There's lots of trial and error. Um, they're, they're developing things like patience, um, and it's quite a skilled thought process process and transferring that into all their other skills um, leading into learning and throughout their schooling and then again into adult life. Yeah, definitely. And and um, I'll come back to that. I uh, thought a bit of an example of that, you know, the repetition as children make sense of their world and uh, make connections between things. I've got a really good example of that with my own son when he was about two. And one day when he was just playing by himself and he lined up all of the animals that we had, I didn't realise we had so many toy animals, but we had, you know, like little plastic ones. We had um, stuffed toy versions and he was lining them all up, standing them up until he got to some stuffed toys that he couldn't make stand up on his own so he then started lying them down and then he went back and changed all of the animals to be in that same anatomical position and I remember even to this day thinking you know what great learning was happening there for him as a two-year-old you know knowing about um, things like engineering not being able to get something to stand up on its own because it didn't have the strength there you know he tried a few times but then it he couldn't do it and the idea of position and patterning you know which are all really important skills for numeracy and maths you know oh yeah absolutely and look think if you think about that example Jackie imagine if you know you'd, you'd intervened and and took the lead away from his um well he's playing but we can see the learning happening uh, the outcome could have been completely different and and often sometimes when we interfere uh, to a degree and we take that leading of their own learning away the outcome changes. Children can sometimes just walk away and lose interest. Um, so I guess it, for parents and families at home, you can use those questions and queries um, to set up an area to let the child engage. It's just sort of leading their learning where they're sort of heading. It can be something like water in a tub if you had questions about that sort of thing and some food colouring, sort of setting up some of those steps and look, oftentimes that's not even needed. Obviously, in those other couple of examples, you don't really need to set up anything to let them to go off and explore. Um, but if the, if it calls for it, um, you can set up. There's no right or wrong in any of this, and, and the experimentation can just take on its own adventure. 
Yeah, and I think you raise a really good point there because I think sometimes we we think children need a lot of toys and, and things to play with and, you know, we need to set out things or preset things that we're going to teach them and have them um, engage with. But, you know, I think that often takes away, you know, that imagination and creativity of when you've got those, you know, resources where children have the opportunity to paint as you said, to, you know, to play with Play-Doh or to mess around with old recycled boxes, all those sorts of things, they're getting the opportunity to think about the way they put things together and the way they represent ideas and all sorts of different things. Absolutely. And it's just supporting that development of creativity. You know, if the child has the interest there, there might be diggers in the street, you know, there might be some work going on in the street and um, the adult can create the beginnings of that scene or, the, or just sit back and let the child, you know, the child could pick up anything. It could be a rock or something, Jackie, as you were saying, and then and use that for their, um, their digger that's in their street or something. It's just sort of being aware that that's going on and, um, you know, you can your level of, of fostering that sort of creativity, I think it's just knowing when to stand back a bit and when to, to let it uh, fall into its own learning um and uh, you know but also on this note i think sometimes we forget this it's extremely good for a child's creativity to feel bored uh, there's nothing wrong with feeling bored with brain development it means that the child has to continually process something if it's always entertained and or always has to have a thought pattern however if we if we give the child some space um you know nothing to sort of think about or do then a, a natural process is for their mind to begin thinking creatively it, it just happens it'll be innately they begin to think and they can think unencumbered and without any other direction Yeah, I I wholeheartedly agree with you there. And I think we tend to do that more so than ever now in our, um, our current world. We give children screens a lot thinking that that's the thing that they need. We'll put a video on or we'll put, you know, have play a game or all those sorts of things where, you know, you can actually have that that downtime and what children will do is is they will find um, creative things to do. And I think that's, you know, comes back to what I said before about the idea of op- providing open-ended resources. So, again, that children can do a range of different things with. Um, if we think about, you know, when you're watching a movie, it's a very passive activity as opposed to if I give a child a whole bunch of um, egg cartons and toilet rolls and, and, you know, boxes and things and I give them some glue or some tape and things, all of a sudden now they're, they're having to do a whole lot of different thinking than they would just doing something a bit more passive. So that's something to think about. So it's not just about toys, but it's also if the toys that you do have that are a little bit um, more open-ended, like, for example, there's the, you know, there's the Lego show on TV now and I have a little giggle and I think about how much time my own children loved, you know, building and playing with Lego because you can create so many different things with that. Um, you know, yes, there are those little packs where you can buy and you can make set things, but for the most part, they can build a whole lot of different things. They might build a dinosaur, they might build a house, they might build a bridge, all those sorts of things. So having a think about, um, you know, setting up some interesting play spaces for children that sort of we call it in, you know, as educators, provocations, but it's a fancy word for some interesting things that children might have a creative thought or an idea or a bit of inspiration by, you know, so thinking about reducing the amount of things as well. I think, you know, a lot of children now have a lot of toys and things that they have to play with. So just maybe refining that and offering fewer choices, but different things, you know, regularly. 
Yeah, that's right. Just things that are, things that are going on in the household. It can be as simple as, it, say, um, there could be an older sibling that's studying for their HSC and doing a particular project and the younger child has a bit of an interest, you know, sticky beaking over their shoulder or something, and that could lead off with a, um, a bit of a, as you mentioned, a bit of a provocation or something to um, inspire a bit of learning about that. It could also be, you know, as simple as a bunch of flowers arriving at the house and the child shows interest and maybe mentions the colours or something. And then the the, um, the adult in the house can just provide some paints and, and um, you know, just, just leave that to the child and see what comes from them. Yeah. And I think one thing we haven't really spoken too much about is too the idea of just being outside and engaging and exploring nature, you know, just even in the local park or even, you know, the the tree that's on the, you know, footpath in front of someone's house. You know, there's lots and lots of things that children quite naturally gravitate towards in nature, you know, looking at and exploring shadows and, you know, the leaves rustling in the trees and, you know, the bird life or the sounds in the environment, you know, there's a whole lot of different learning that's happening in that outdoor space as well, of course, um, as well as the physical things like, you know, kicking a ball and catching a ball. Those are all important things to um, contribute towards other types of learning, not just physical activity types of learning. Yeah, for sure. It's also important that um, any sort of toys or things you're providing get sort of changed around and we don't overwhelm children with one particular thing or a whole load of, of, of stuff because um, we want their motivation and their interest, you know, to still be inspired. And it's quite a good idea to pack away things at times. It allows for children to, to revisit that toy or activity as they may have developed some new skills during the time in between. Um, you know, they might have learned new colours or they might understand a bit more about inclines and ramps, referring to our truck in the mud earlier. Um, and that might completely change how they interact, <clears throat> excuse me, with a familiar or an older toy. And again, that brings me back to that in-between time of a child feeling bored. And I know you mentioned the, the Lego that's on the television uh, at the moment, Jackie, but if a child sort of has a play around with that, then they've got some space in between and they might go and develop some other skills or strengthen their um, fine motor skills. And when they come back to that, there's another whole creation that can um, run off from that. If you've been doing a painting with a child, you know, they can you could extend that and you might just offer them um, some materials to paint with. It could be leaves or sticks or forks. And that's something, again, that can happen outside. It's a lot about watching watching the child too and responding and knowing when to step back um, and let them involve themselves in their play. And I think that's a really great way to wrap it up, um, you know, great message about letting your child take the lead in their play yeah. and their learning. So thanks, Donna, for our chat today. Thanks, um, Jackie. That was great. Lots yeah. of good ideas. Yep, definitely. Ways to support learning every day and every way through play. Mm-hmm.